we just got, you saw I walked in with my, my Starbucks egg bites and uh, we just went from one service to the next and uh, it's just an honor and privilege to be here this weekend. Started off Thursday night here, so we're closing out here and then um, we were also in, where were we? We were in Homa at the Church Cross Church this weekend for a day and then also Gonzalez for last night and this morning and then closing out here in New Orleans and uh, just had a wonderful time this weekend with the people of Louisiana. One of the things I've been sharing that I just see in the Holy Spirit is that God is going to do a work in this nation and it's actually coming out of Louisiana. And um, I don't go around saying that kind of stuff unless I hear it. And I just heard the Spirit of the Lord just tell me that there is a work that he's doing in America. And uh, it's a move of his spirit. It's not by power. It's not by might. But it's by his spirit. Amen. Is there an amen in this room? Can somebody say hallelujah? Can somebody say thank you, Jesus? Can somebody say praise the Lord? I think you know, some people might even say shoot, you know what I'm saying? I was in Pennsylvania um, a couple Sundays ago, and the lady didn't know what to say, so she just said, uh-oh. So if you need to say uh-oh, that's fine with me too. But um, I'm going to read a verse here today, and then we're going to make a prophetic declaration, and, uh, and then we're going to see what happens. Amen? And this is right hot off the press in the roadway between... Um, Gonzalez and New Orleans. The Lord was speaking to me on the way here. And because uh, I'll share a little bit about what we shared about there, but I just feel a, a, just a fresh word for this moment and this time. Amen? How many know God has a word for us right now? And how many know God is right on time? Two people. Okay, good. I said, there's, there's, there's got to be amen in this room. All right, good. All right, let's read. Turn with me. I'm going to read a very familiar scripture that I'm really used as a launching pad to um, share with you just a couple concepts. And really, I'm just kind of journeying with the Holy Spirit because he's speaking to me uh, as we were coming down. Um, and uh, we'll, just, we'll just see how he ties it all up together. Amen? So we'll read, we'll pray, and we'll make a prophetic declaration and see what happens. Does that sound like a game plan? Two people. Okay, good. Turn with me to the book of Philippians. Book of Philippians, I'm going to read a very familiar verse that you probably could quote it's verse 19 chapter 4 verse 19 and it says this and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus let's bow our heads Heavenly Father we thank you for this opportunity to dive into your word, Lord. I thank you for Praise Church New Orleans. I thank you, Lord God, for what you have done, what you are doing, and what you are about to do. Lord, we want to be in the light as you are in the light, Lord. We want to understand, Lord, what you want us to do, Lord God. So we thank you for clarity in this moment. Lord, we thank you that we can open up our ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord would say to this house and to this region. In Jesus' name we pray. And somebody said, Amen. Amen. Now get your prophetic bony finger out and put it in your neighbor's face. Don't poke him in the eye again. 
and tell them I want you to know that this is all a setup because God is about to open up what was previously shut up so that you can move up into what he has stored up for your life. Amen? Amen. Well, I bring greetings to you from my family, from my wife of almost 23 years, and uh, Marlena. She's back at home right now, and uh, she's the <laughs> um, after church, because they're an hour ahead of us. She went to some store called At Home. I was texting with her on the way here, and I was like, what are you doing at home, you know, at the at home store? And my wife is the type where, you know, she loves to, to, to decorate for Christmas the house up, and she doesn't just put a Christmas tree up. She puts Christmas trees up, and they all have different themes and different rooms in the house, and uh, it's just something that she likes to do. And so our friends, have you ever heard of the Braxton family? We're good friends with the Braxton family. And so they came over to the house last night and saw the trees. And so she had an assignment given to her. Can you come and do trees of righteousness <laughs> in our house? And so she was at the at-home store picking out stuff. And I was like, oh, my goodness. But um, she sends her love to you. Oh, okay. Yeah, like Tony. Yeah, the Bra the Braxton family. If you ever heard of the television show, Braxton Family Values and and that whole family. Okay, now yeah, yeah. Sorry. And uh, but um, the Lord's given us amazing relationships with people in in the music industry and in government and uh, throughout the years and in in you know different arenas it's quite amazing but um so she's doing she's decorating today so lord help her in jesus name but uh she's she's actually doing what she loves she's she's just one of those people who just loves to to acts of service that's what she loves to do but she she told me to tell you all hello and also my family my kids my daughter got married this year um she that, that that's that's something that's something right there i mean you know i can experienced a lot of things but that was the first time you know where i had feelings i didn't know that i could have and emotions and uh walking her down the aisle and um and then our son he's 18 and then my youngest daughter's in sixth grade and so we're having a great time in the atl giving the devil hell and uh and and having a wonderful time but um we're, i'm just thankful and i'm thankful for this house and i'm thankful for your pastors and uh, the other night I called, I, we were in Homa, and I say I called him Pastor Gordon. And uh, I, I mean, sometimes my blonde comes out while I'm up there, but I know it's Pastor Garland. But I'm so thankful for them, and they are people who stand in the gap. They're people who love. There's love. There's love. That's one of the things I feel when I'm in Gonzales and when I come here is love. There's, this is a family. And, uh, and, and what God has brought together, let no man put asunder. And, uh, and, and what I love about this house, and it reminds me of, you know, church I pastored. Church I pastored in Oakland, California was 80% African American. But we had 
you know, the music I, I tell people was from rock to Bach to hip hop. I mean, you didn't know what you were going to get on a Sunday. And uh, I had a choir behind me. And uh, but we had every, all the nations gathering unto Jesus in our house. But one of the things I love about not only the, the church here, but also you go to Gonzales is you got it's multi. It's multi-generational, it's multi-ethnic, multi-racial, um, and, and it's, it's amazing because it's a picture of heaven. Heaven is not going to be blue, and it's not going to be red. It's not going to be black, it's not going to be white, it's not going to be brown, yellow. Come on, somebody. It, 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 is, it is going, and red, it's, it's going to be uh, a place where every tongue and every tribe is going to bow before Jesus. And as far as I'm concerned, we might as well start practicing heaven now. Come on, somebody. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. And, uh, and so I thank God for your pastors because they are servants. They love. They love. And uh, the love just comes forth from them. And that one of their love languages, that uh, I think it's a Louisiana love language, and that is food. I mean, and I'm on keto, and so, you know, I can eat meat and vegetables for the most part, and a few other things, um, but uh, Louisiana's love language is food. It always has been, and so I think I've probably gained two or three pounds. I'm going to have to go back home and get back on my regiment, but I behaved. I behaved, and, uh, and I've had some good cooking, thanks to y'all, and, uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, I just, just thank you so much for having me and uh, your love, and um, it's, just, it's just been a wonderful time. So I want to share with you the word of the Lord today that I just, I'm kind of hearing, and, um, and I'll give you a little, a little snippet, a little trailer of what we shared down, uh, or is it down, up? in Gonzales and uh, but I want you to say these words I want to say I want you to say this to the person beside you tell them God loves you too much to leave you the way that you are come on somebody how many how many know God God will work and he'll change and he'll transform and uh, some of us are more hard-headed than others I don't have a loud amen on that I might have heard a few wives saying that on behalf of their spouse, but, uh, but, 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 but God's going to work his work in our lives and he'll, he'll use any method. He'll use any way, but he is going to have his way in our lives and he's going to have his way in the earth. And I'm just excited. I just believe that we are stepping into the most exciting time frame in history. Two people. Okay, good. Well, the, the, us four and no more. I said we've just stepped into one of the most exciting times in history. And one of the things I preached here on Thursday night was, if you were here, was that the delay is over. I was flying on Delta Airlines and uh, on the way here at about 38,000 feet, and I just heard the Lord just declare that word, the delay is over. That, that, that you've been waiting for things, you've been believing for God to do some things, but he's given promises, there are prophetic words, whatever it may be. And I just heard the Lord say that you're moving from a place of, of waiting into a place of stepping into fulfillment. And what I shared with you all was, was this, was it's amazing how God will take forever to lead you to a suddenly. And then you learn the scripture, they that wait on the Lord. There's certain Christian cuss words, right? Patience, long-suffering, 
wait. Come on, somebody. There's other ones that we just don't like, but, 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 but you learn that they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And the word renew in the Hebrew is the word actually means exchange. It doesn't mean just to make new. It means to exchange. They that wait on the Lord shall exchange their strength. And so I'm walking in my strength, my power, my ingenuity, my education. Come on, somebody. I'm walking in my know-how. Come on, somebody. And my flow-how. But then all of a sudden, God says, you know what? That doesn't work. And so you're going to have to learn how to wait and make an exchange and, uh, and, and get my strength. <laughs> and when you have his strength, then his strength sometimes is made perfect in weakness. And so sometimes when you're weak, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich because of what God has done. So what you got to do is you got to give thanks. And, uh, and, and so sometimes you have to wait. But one of the things I really heard in my spirit as I was coming here uh, to Louisiana and to New Orleans and to Praise Church is that the delay is over. And that you're stepping into a time frame of fulfillment. You're stepping into a time frame where you're going to see God do what he said he was going to do. Woo, come on, somebody. This morning we preached on... On, on, on Jesus at the fig tree in Matthew, Mark 14. It's online, right? It, they can watch it on Facebook. Okay, they can watch it on Facebook um, because I believe that it, there's a word. I'm not really getting into that word, but we were sharing how Jesus was hungry at the, at the fig tree. And he was looking at this fig tree, and as he was looking at the fig tree, he was hungry, and he went up to it, and it was in the leaf stage. There was no figs on it. And so... Jesus, you know, he cursed the fig tree because he's like, hey, you know what? You, you, you need to produce. But you look at it and you realize what, hap what was happening was, was Jesus was actually ahead of the fig tree. And sometimes the, 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 the desire of heaven is actually ahead of the productivity in the earth. But God is looking for a fig tree. He's looking for a people who are ahead of the time. This is a prophetic company of people. And so he was hungry for this. And, you know, I was looking at it and realized that he was hungry for fruit from the future. Because when you look at that particular story, you realize in Mark 11, verses 12, 13, and 14, that when Jesus was looking at it, he looked at it and it was in its leaf stage. But the harvest was coming. And so you realize, you start doing the math, and you look at when was the harvest. Well, the harvest, when the day Jesus was looking at this fig tree, is about April the 5th or April the 6th. And you look and you realize that in about mid to late May is when harvest season for figs takes place in Israel. And so we're talking about six to eight weeks later. What was going on with Jesus in that moment? Because he was hungry for fruit from the future. And what was going on was this was he was two days before crucifixion. Let's do some math here. He was two days before crucifixion. He went through the crucifixion. Then he was three days in the grave, but he didn't stay in the grave. He got up. Can I get a witness up in here? He rose from the dead. And so after those three days, then all of a sudden for 40 days, he, during the resurrection period before the ascension, he revealed himself 
to the disciples and he taught them the principles of the kingdom and then after those 40 days were up he went on to the Mount of Olives and he lifted up to heaven but before he went to heaven he told them to go back to Jerusalem and to wait in the upper room and wait for the promise of the Father and it's amazing how there were 500 at the ascension but there are only 120 people who wanted to wait Woo! come on somebody and so, and so they, but the 120 wait in the upper room for 10 days, and then there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and it doesn't just stay in the upper room, but it spills out into the streets, and then all of a sudden people start hearing the message in their language, in their culture. Come on now. There was a word that was going forth that was translated somewhere between it being spoken and between it getting into their ears, and so 13 different languages in Acts chapter chapter 2 heard the message in their own language and Peter stood up and began to preach and say this is that that was promised by the the prophet Joel prophesied by the prophet Joel that in the last days your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy and then all of a sudden 3,000 people are saved in one day you start doing the math of the fig tree and you realize that while it was in its leaf stage Jesus was actually hungry because you start doing the math about 56, 57, 58 days later, and all of a sudden, that's seven, six, seven, eight weeks later when the fig tree harvest was going to take place. You see, God's given us a hunger for the future. He's given us hunger as a prophetic people, not just to, 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 to realize what God's doing now, but to see where God's going with this thing. Can I get an amen? Amen. So today I want to talk to you just for a few moments um, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, and kind of use it as a bounce off to, to just to a diff, few different uh, scriptural concepts. Um, you realize that the book of Philippians is a powerful book. Paul wrote it from jail. He wrote it from prison. And he wrote it as a thank you letter to the church because they had sent him a love gift to Rome where he was and they sent a love gift to him through a guy named Epaphroditus and when when he received it he before he left he just wanted to send them back a thank you and it is the only epistle you know the Apostle Paul had a way of speaking to the church you know the scripture says the the the, the father sometimes corrects or disciplines the son that he loves and it's amazing because you look at different epistles or books that Paul wrote and he didn't hold back he told the truth and the Philippian letter is the only letter where he's completely nice <laughs> it's the only letter where he doesn't have a rebuke or discipline that he needs to send to the church he just sends them a letter this love letter and thank you letter for what they had 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 sent him and so he sent this back as a letter of thanksgiving unto them the church in philippi was a multi-ethnic church you look at the church in philippi 
when, when Paul went to the church in Philippi, or went to the city of Philippi, he went to the synagogue and he was rejected in the synagogue, the Jewish synagogue. He kind of had a method when he went to a city where he would first go to the synagogue and see the Jewish people because he was before a Pharisee and he, and he was, God called him definitely to speak to the Jewish people about their Messiah, the Messiah, Jesus. But then also God gave him an anointing to go to Gentiles. And when he was rejected by one, he was accepted by another. And the scripture says that he was actually, in the book of Acts, he says that he was down by the riverside, and there was a riverside meeting going on. And, and there was an Asian businesswoman who was there, and they were having a meeting. These ladies were having a meeting, and so he joined the meeting and began to preach to them about Jesus. And all of a sudden, you look at the church, and, and, and I'll just fast forward into it, but you look at the church in Philippi, and you have Paul, who is a Jew. You have this Asian businesswoman. These are the pillars of this house. You have uh, a, a Greek slave girl, a, a teenage girl who was a slave. She was sold into slavery and she became part of the church and she got delivered and set free from those ones that were trying to, to use her with their, with their magic and all that stuff. And then also you have a Philippian jailer who's a Macedonian who was saved. And then you have Aquila and Priscilla, one being Roman and one being Jew. And God said, this is how I'm going to form the church in Philippi. The church in Philippi, Philippi was a crossroads. Philippi was a place where there was business that took place and there was great wealth in that city. And God said, in this crossroads city, I'm going to bring people together from different ethnicities. I'm going to bring them together and the gospel is going to go forth and the influence of the gospel is going to increase and it's going to move beyond just Jew. It's not Jew nor Greek, male nor female. Come on, somebody. It's not based on class it's not based on finance it's not based on money it's not ba it's, it's based on 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 the fact that God so loved the world and so what's going to happen is is the church of Philippi is going to be a picture of heaven come on somebody it's going to be a picture of heaven you know something I, I, I you know what I don't want to go to a white church and I don't want to go to a black church it's quiet. I don't want to go to a, just a Hispanic church. I want to go to a church that looks like heaven. That's why I like Praise Church, because there's a little bit of heaven up in here. And that's what the church in Philippi was all about, was God brought together all these people, and he, he orchestrated this thing that nobody else could orchestrate. You couldn't put this together. It had to be a God thing because you look at each person in the, the players, the pillars of the house, and you realize that each one of them had a testimony. Each one of them had an encounter with Jesus, and each one of them were brought together and worshiping in the same house and were expression of heaven in the earth. We always say, let your kingdom come, let your will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. Well, let's have the church look a little bit like heaven. Somebody say, amen. Amen. And so in this scripture in, in Philippians chapter 4, and I don't even know what time it is. I don't see a clock. It's okay? All right. All right. I have to catch a plane sometime. I'm okay. Okay, okay. Everybody, how close are we to the airport? 15? Oh, okay. And you're going to feed me too? 
I'm gonna, then I'm going to preach good. You're going to give me some food on the, before I leave? Okay, I'm going to preach good. There's a Zoe's down the street, right? Okay, that sounds good. That works with my keto. But <laughs> if one of the things, what the Lord was speaking to me, can I come down here? I feel like I'm like, I have this, I'm on separation here. Just lift your mask if you need to. <laughs> but what the Lord was speaking to me was about, my God shall supply all your needs. Now, how many have had needs? 2020 has been a year that has revealed needs. And there are people in this room who have needs. They might be physical needs, health needs, relational needs, financial needs, whatever it may be. I love the scripture because the Apostle Paul, he's like, my God shall supply all of your need. It's amazing. You know, what the Lord was speaking about was this, was sometimes we know what God wants to do, but we need to get in tune with how God wants to do it. Because God wants to, <laughs> he wants to supply our need. But we have to get in tune with how he wants to do it. There are certain seasons and certain moments and certain time frames where he does things in a certain way, but then things change. And he has a certain way, like the sons of Iskar, the scripture says, they understood the times and the seasons, but they also knew what Israel ought to do. So times and seasons, understanding the times and seasons speaks of the word of knowledge. But knowing what Israel ought to do speaks of a word of wisdom. And what we need in this time is not just knowledge, because we can just state the problem. Come on, somebody. We can state the issues, but we need to know what to do. We need a word of wisdom for this hour. And, and, and in America, one of the things I believe that God wants to do in this nation is he wants to do it through the church. He wants to do it through his people. And church is not just Sunday morning. That's not, my, that's not what I'm referencing here. Or Tuesday night or Wednesday night Bible study. Church is y'all. It's y'all. It's everywhere you go. You are the church. That's the church. The church isn't a place. The church is a people. The woman, uh, the woman at the well, she started talking. Jesus was having a conversation with her, and she started talking. Well, you, you know, you all Jews, you worship over on that mountain. We worship on this mountain. And Jesus is like, wait a second. Hold on, hold on. You're so focused on location that you're missing your vocation. And so, and, and so, and so you, those that worship the Father must worship him in spirit and in truth. And by the way, let me just throw something in there. Some people, huh, you need to realize that worship is not just in spirit. It's also in truth. Come on now. When we step into the truth, and the truth comes from God's word. And so worship's just not just a, a, an, an emotional experience. There's a truth. There are truths behind it. And so when we begin to worship in spirit and in truth, 
we get into the atmosphere of God's presence, but then all of a sudden the truth comes and it sets us free. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I got an amen somewhere up in here. Because it's very, it's very, very important. But I just believe that we're in a time frame where we need to know what Israel ought to do. We need a word of wisdom in our lives. I said it the other night, and I'm going to say it again. And I'm leaving on a plane, and you can chase me to the airport. I don't care. I'm a truth teller. Come on, somebody. And so one of the things I, I, I said the other night was this. I said, one of the things we need to be careful is not to grieve the Holy Spirit with our words, our actions, our posts. Woo, it's quiet now. You know something? I believe at the judgment seat of Christ, one of the longest lines at the judgment seat of Christ is going to be Facebook sins. Let the church say, yeah. amen. I believe that the Holy Spirit, he's our guide, but he's also our guard. And he wants to teach us how to guard what we say. I'm asking for wisdom. Come on, somebody. And what we do and where we go and how we respond. And he's teaching us how to do that. And because, you know what, he wants us to be seasoned with salt. Come on now, we he's not calling us to be salty. He's calling us just to be salt. And one of the things the enemies tried to do in 2020 is to divide this nation. But even worse, divide the church. And for me, as a leader in the body of Christ, going many places and having influence, I'm not holding back from this. I'm going to stand strong and I'm going to say, you know what, the enemy cannot divide us. Come on, somebody. And so we got to put our foot down on it. We might have different perspectives. We might have different viewpoints. We might have different opinions. And that's beautiful. That makes us who we are. We have different expressions. That makes us who we are. But when it comes down to it, I'm not blue and I'm not red. I'm purple. We're royal. Come on, somebody. And, and, and we're bought by the blood of the Lamb. And we're blood-bought people. We've been saved and we've been delivered and we've been set free. And so, yeah, we might go through a season. And this is a crazy season right now in America. But I'm just looking at it. I'm saying, you know what? Let your church rise out of the aftermath with the revelation that we need to heal and we need to come together. I'm sorry. I'm just on my soapbox here for a second. We need to come together and we need to be the church in this hour. And we got to be the example, and we got to be forerunners. We can talk, we can share our opinions, we can go back and forth, and it's civil, and it's good, and we might not agree on every single thing, and that's okay, but at the same time, when it comes down to it, after it's all said and done, one thing we can come together on is this, is that the Word of God, come on somebody is the source how you know you know uh, it, it leads us it guides us we live by the word of god and also we are people of the presence and so guess what i just believe god's bringing healing to his church in this hour and what the enemies actually meant for evil is going to backfire it's going to backfire on him and it's going to be so phenomenal what we're going to see so i'm kind of excited right now about what god is doing in this time amen but I'm talking today about, just for a second here, because I just want to lead into something I think.
<laughs> Last night I tried to preach on Mark 11, and I couldn't get past the Mark, just the name Mark, John Mark. His name was John Mark. I couldn't even get past preaching just his name um, because there was just a move of God just preaching John Mark because John means grace and Mark in the in Roman means it means la, it means hammer and so there's a there's a balance between grace and hammer and it's the hammer of the blacksmith and you have to turn up the heat and the fire can I talk to somebody up in here in order to shape what you're making the blacksmith is making and so some people are saying why the fire it's because I'm shaping you I'm actually putting you, you're going in solid into the fire, but I'm actually softening you so that when the hammer drops, and somebody says not only why the, why the fire, but why the hammer. Because guess what? We were reading Isaiah chapter 2. We kind of flipped into Isaiah chapter 2, and God says, here's what's happening. I'm turning your swords into plowshares and your spears into pruning hooks. What am I doing? What am I doing? I've let you go through the fire, and then I let the hammer drop, and by the way, the hammer is the word, because Jeremiah said your word is like a hammer that breaks the stone in pieces. And so you look and you realize the fire, the purifying fire, the softening fire, all of a sudden allows the hammer to drop in our lives. And when the hammer drops in our lives, all of a sudden God changes your shape. But he doesn't just change your shape, he changes your function for the season that you're stepping into. So in, the, in this last season, you had to be a war instrument, swords and spears. But now I'm turning you into a harvest instrument where you're going to be, you're going to become pruning hooks. Come on, somebody. And you're going to become plowshares. I'm changing your shape for the season that you're in. So you understand, now there's revelation. Why have I been going through the fire 2020? Somebody's got a revelation here. Why am I going through? Why am I going through the hammer 2020? It's because God is reshaping you and molding you and getting you ready to giving you a, an unction to function at this junction. He's giving you a grace, come on somebody, to face this place in your particular race. He's doing something powerful in this time. And so we got to understand what God is doing. What God is doing. And how he wants to do it. And so what was, what was burning in me on the way here was in Exodus and the book of Numbers, but in Exodus, first of all, here are the children of Israel. They just came out of Egypt. Hallelujah. 430 years of slavery in Egypt land. And God allowed Moses to be the deliverer to set them free. And then they crossed through on dry ground through the Red Sea, and God allows them to get on the other side, and all of a sudden he uses the, the waters to crash upon the Egyptians who are coming to kill them, and they get on the other side and they have a praise party. It's amazing how God is a resourceful God, how he will use the same miracle to do two things. He'll allow you to go over on dry ground, but also he'll also take your enemy out with the same miracle. He's a resourceful God. You have to realize that in this season, the miracles that you're going to see are not just, 
they're just, just one-sided. Come on, somebody. But the miracle is that you're going to see God's going to do miracles that are just going to blow your mind, and you'll be like, you know what? God didn't only do this, but he did that, and he did this, and he did that, and my gosh, I got a list of things. Look at what God's doing. I'm telling you, he's so resourceful that he can all of a sudden do a one in one miracle. He can just take care of a whole lot of things. That's what I'm believing for. Come on, somebody. I'm believing that God in this time frame is doing miracles that are just going to just be multiple miracles, multiple breakthroughs at the same time. You're about to experience breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough because what you went through did not break you. So it's break, 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 break. It's victory after victory after victory after victory. I mean, I read the book of Joshua and I realize that they had 31 consecutive victories in a row. What if you enter into a stage in a season where all of a sudden God says, guess what? You're not just going to move from, because you've been going, you understood this, the, 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 the rhythm of blessing, then testing, and blessing, and then testing. Huh. What if God's bringing you to a place where all of a sudden you're just going to be like, victory, 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 because some of us had victory, and then defeat, and then victory. Walk two steps forward, one step back. But what if God says, guess what? You're about to step into victory after victory after victory, and miracle with miracle with miracle. I'm talking to somebody here. And so they cross over the Red Sea. They get onto the other side, and they throw a party. I mean, it's a, it's a worship service like no other worship service in history. I mean, you have maybe a couple million people who just came out of 430 years of being under the whips of Egypt. And I love it because the, the stronger, the, the more that, that Pharaoh afflicted them, the stronger they grew. But they got onto the other side and they, they just, they just, they got their praise on. You know what I'm saying? They were rocking back and forth. And Mary, they were dancing and singing. And then they got to the other side. And then they finally, after that, they, they, God said, okay, now it's to begin time to begin to move. And they moved to the first place. And they get to the first place. And the waters are bitter. <laughs> the waters are bitter. And God has to heal the waters. But there was an issue in the wilderness, thirst. There were issues in the wilderness. Whenever you're going through the wilderness, there are issues. But God is the God who says, guess what? When you're going through a place of lack, I'm going to prove to you that I have your back. And I'm going to supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory. Somebody's alive up in here. I'm going to supply. There's a supernatural supply. So, so when you're hungry, I'm going to give you manna. This is my daily bread. Come on, somebody. I'm going to give you manna to eat. When it's cold outside, I'm going to give you a pillar of fire. When it's warm outside in that wilderness, 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 it's wilder than anything you've ever been in before, <laughs> I'm going to give you shade in the heat of day. <laughs> and when you're, when, when you're tired of manna and you want some barbecue, I'm going to give you quail. Two people know what I'm talking about. Your shoes are not going to wear out. Your clothes are not going to wear out. Come on, somebody. There, there's, there's no Targets out there in the wilderness. There's no Nordstrom racks in the, in the wilderness. 
<laughs> so, 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 so your clothes are just going to grow with you. Your shoes are just going to grow with you. And uh, I'm going to take care of you in ways that, that you couldn't imagine. I'm going to take care of your family in ways. I'm going to cover you in the wilderness. And not only did they have hunger, but they also had thirst. And they had a water issue. <laughs> Louisiana's had some water issues. <laughs> Hurricanes who zigzag and say, I'm coming back here. I'm coming over here to Louisiana. And by the way, I tell you, one of the things the Lord showed me about all these hurricanes this year is, you know what, it's just, it, you know, you see this happening in the natural, and some of it's natural disaster, but at the same time, there's a spiritual blessing that God wants to pour over this area, and Louisiana is just getting a lot of attention from the weather. Because God has something for Louisiana. And the scripture in Psalms 42, I think it's verse 7, somewhere around there, he said, your waves and your billows have passed over me. And so you've been through some storms and the waves and billows have come over you in the natural, but I believe there are waves and billows of God's presence that are going to pass over you and it's going to be absolutely phenomenal. 2020 WON is going to be a powerful year. Amen? It's going to be a powerful year for you. But they got to a place of thirst. And here's what I want to talk about just for a second and then just see what happens here because I'm just moving with the cloud here. I told Pastor, Pastor Garland that when I pastor my church, I mean, I'm very methodical. But when I'm out I'm preaching on the road, I'm just like, I'll, I just go in there and see what happens. <laughs> and just, just prophetically, just kind of just, just read what God's doing in the, in the time. But, but here in this scripture, you realize that the people were thirsty. And God said, here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to give you water from the rock. And we know if we go into 1 Corinthians that the rock is Jesus. It, it says it. Paul said it very clear to the church in Corinth. The rock that they had out in that wilderness was Christ. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. There's, it was the, he's the rock. He's, so in the Old Testament, he, they just had Jesus, the rock, just rolling with them everywhere they went. And he said, here's, what, here's how you're going to. I want you to hear the word how. Somebody say how. Here's how it's going to work. You're going to strike the rock. And when you strike the rock with your rod, because they were under the technology of the rod, they had transferred from under the technology of the whips in Egypt now to the rod of Moses. And then further on, they came under the cloud of glory. And then when they went into the promised land, they went, the, the technology changed again to the book of the law that shall not depart from you. And in it you will meditate day and night. And in it you will, if you, and, you, and when you do it, when you, when you live it, then you're going to prosper and have good success. And so, and so God, God allowed them to go through different technologies, whips and rods and clouds and law. Come on, somebody. And, and, and each one, the first three are external. They're external that guides the whips of Egypt, the rod of Moses, the cloud. But then he says, now this book of the law is going to get inside of you. 
It's going to be inside of you. So you're not going to be moved by external things any longer, but internal things, because this word is going to get inside you. You see, I believe God's maturing his church in this time frame where we're not going to be moved by what's outside. Come on, somebody. We're not going to live according to what's outside. We're going to get the word inside us. And we're going to live according to, because greater is he. Come on, somebody. That's in me than he that is in the world. And so it's the Holy Spirit that's resident inside of me. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone opens up the door to me, I'm coming in. So he lives inside of us. And so we can't be people who are, who are moved by Pharaoh and moved by the rods and moved by the clouds. They're great. But guess what? God wants every single believer to be people of the word. And to have the word inside of you. Can I talk about growing up? He's taking the training wheels off your bike. And he said, now it's time for you to ride. And how you're going to ride. There's only one way you can ride. And that way is by the word, by the law that you're going to meditate in day and night. I think if we meditated in the law day and night, then we wouldn't be so moved by what's going on around us because what's going on inside of us is greater. Woo! Somebody say, thank God he's going to the airport. <laughs> but God says, here's how the water's going to come. Because here's the technology we're under right now in, this, in Israel. Strike the rock. So what did he do? He obeyed God, and he struck the rock. And when he struck the rock, the water came. I mean... This is a lot of water. Now, my personal opinion is it wasn't Aquafina. It wasn't even Dasani. It was Voss water. If you know what Voss water is, it's Fiji water. It was an artesian well. Because this water flowed 24 hours a day. <laughs> Can you imagine? Because it had to, I mean, you had, you had literally an entire nation that drank from this rock. We gotta look, think of the, 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 the implications of what we're talking about here, even just the logistics of having to feed a nation and also give water to a nation. The logistics are phenomenal, and so you realize that, that, that there's water flowing. This is a mighty gush of water. There was a river out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. There's a river of water that was flowing out of this rock because not only did you have to feed the, the fathers and the mothers and the grandfathers and the grandmothers and all the kids and all the grandkids, but you also had to feed the livestock. And so everything had to be watered in the desert in this place and so when he struck the rock this wasn't just a little trinkle it wasn't a hose this was a river that was flowing and he how did he do it struck the rock further along as they went along and you flip over to numbers chapter 20 i'm just I'm giving you your your scripture assignments the first was like exodus 17 now you're in numbers 20 and god says the season has changed, and the method has changed. you got to hear this, because what God wants to do, we know, but how God wants to do it, I want you to hear this, because this is, this, is this is what I'm talking about thematically here today. What God wants to do, we know, but how God wants to do it, 
God says, I'm changing the methodology. Come on, somebody. I'm changing. Again, he says, guess what? You're moving from war instruments and you're changing into harvest instruments. I'm changing the methodology. I'm changing you into a place where you're, the way you operate is different. You're, you're shape-shifting. Two people, okay. God says in Numbers 20, he gets along, along further, and he says, it's going to change now. The method's going to change. How are we going to get water from the rock? What we want to do is we want to get water, right? Water's coming. But he speaks to Mo, and he says, I want you to change. And it's, it's almost a picture of the gospel in a way. Because when you strike the rock, it's like Jesus is the rock. And when he was struck on the cross, it was once for all time. Oh, somebody's letting this download here. So you don't have to strike it again. Can I talk to somebody here? Ha. He already took it, and that's all that is needed. And so how we're going to get the water is not the way we did it before. We don't need to cru crucify Christ afresh. This is all hot off the press, so I don't know where I'm going with that one. It's just coming as I'm going. But he said that hey, you're going to strike it, and that's it once for all time. He said this time... The methodology changes, just like the technology changes for different eras, also the methodology changes. We're not striking any longer. We're not warring any longer. Can I talk to somebody here? We're moving into a new era where we're harvesting. And here's how it works. Moses, don't strike. Speak to the rock. And the same flow. Woo! that you experienced huh, in that wilderness, in that season, is going to come, but how you approach the rock is going to be different. You need to speak to the rock, and the waters are going to flow. Somebody say, how? Because God's changing the how. How we do things. Come on, somebody. And we need to be people who use our voice to speak the word of the Lord. Come on, somebody. People who can speak to mountains and say to the mountain, be uprooted and cast into the sea. And the Bible says it will obey you. We need a people who speak the word of the Lord, a prophetic company of people who prophesy the word of the Lord. You see, God understands the need, but he's changing the method. I was thinking about it with the, with the story of David. You realize that Jesse came to, I mean, Samuel came to Jesse's house, and Samuel had this idea of what a king looked like, the paradigm of what a king looked like. And the paradigm of what a king looked like was like Saul. It was like other kings. And so he arrives at that house and he sees the first son of David and he's tall and he's ridiculously good looking and he's strong, he's got muscles, he's, he, he, he knows how to fight. And, and, and Samuel's sitting there thinking, looking at him and saying, this is what a king looks like. Surely this is the one. And God says, nope, 
that's not the one. And all of a sudden, God says to seven brothers, no, 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 no. And Sam's sitting there going, what's going on? And God says, I'm changing the paradigm of what you think a king looks like. I'm changing the way, you, the method. You thought it was going to be a certain way, look a certain way. Woo! Preach a certain way. Sound a certain way. And he says, I'm changing the methodology. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And so I'm changing even the requirements that you thought. You thought it was all outward, but actually I'm inward and I'm looking heartward, and I'm looking for hearts that are following after me, and those hearts that are following after me are the ones that I'm choosing in this hour, and not only am I choosing them, but I'm pouring my oil upon them and anointing them from this moment forward, and I'm going to anoint them to step into places that don't make sense in the natural eye. Woo! It reminds me of Matthew... Chapter 15, Jesus is in town, and there's a woman of Tyre, the scripture says, a woman of Canaan that came to Jesus, and she comes to Jesus, and, and she uses these words, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And she was desperate because her daughter was demonically possessed and it was affecting her. And so she said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now how in the world this woman of Tyre, this woman of Canaan, a Gentile woman, comes to Jesus with a statement that he's heard at least three other times we know in Scripture and she comes and she repeats what she heard someone else say. Come on, somebody. There was a man named Bartimaeus. She heard a story of a man named Bartimaeus who was on the side of the road and he was blind since birth. And all of a sudden he heard that Jesus was passing by and he began to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And all of a sudden, Jesus stopped the parade. And the disciples said, what are you doing? And he said, I got to go to this guy. And Bartimaeus was healed. There's two other stories of blind people in Israel where they said the same phrase, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And so this woman heard these stories. And so she thought, aha. This is how you do it. This is how you do it, Montreal. Uh -uh. But Jesus, she comes to Jesus, and the Bible says Jesus didn't speak to her when she came. She's shouting out as loud as she can. She said, this is how you do it. You, it's, it's this volume. Jesus! It is these words. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And that's how you do it. And Jesus is silent. Or let me say it like this. The word did not speak a word to her. What do you do when the voice is silent or is playing silent with you?
He's teaching you something. Formulas don't work in this time frame. The way I did it for them, oh, come on, somebody. And the way I did it then is not the way I'm going to do it now. The way I did a miracle for one person is not the way I do it for another person. I'm a God who specializes. I'm a God who personalizes. And I meet you the way you need to be met. And I'm going to meet you right where you are, says the Lord. I'm going to meet you exactly how you need to be met. And so he gets talking with them and he starts talking about talking about dogs and all this stuff. And the scripture says it's kind of like a light turned on for her because she, she, she's working this formula out and she realizes, hey, wait a second, my daughter is not getting healed still, but I'm not going to give up. And this formula didn't work. So the scripture says she worshipped him. I need you to hear me. She bowed down and she began to worship. And that's when she got Jesus' attention. I need you to hear me. And see, he starts talking about, well, you know, the bread that's for the children is not to be cast to the dogs. And then she gets a revelation. And she says, yeah, but the dogs, they can eat off the crumbs that fall from the table. He wasn't calling her a dog. And in fact, the word dog actually wasn't the word dog like a bad phrase. It was actually like a puppy. He was talking about a sweet little puppy. And when she, he, he, she said that, she said, well, even the crumbs fall to the ground. She had a revelation that the same ingredients, come on, somebody, that are in the entire loaf made the crumb. And so I don't need a slice. I just need a crumb. Oh, somebody's going to catch on to this. I just need a little bit. I don't need a whole lot. Come on, somebody. But I'm going to use what I got. And I'm going to take that crumb. And I'm going to partake of that crumb. And the same power that's in the loaf is in the crumb. And Jesus, she got his attention after she worshipped. And she realized this because there's revelation that comes in worship that doesn't come through formulas come on somebody that does not come through the same old same old it does not come through religious methodology because religious methodology is trying to repeat the same thing over and over again when we don't realize that God is the God who says every single day there's new mercy Every single day there's new manna. Every single day there is a new grace for your life. And every single miracle, I'm going to do it in a new way. Remember not the former things. Neither consider the things of old. For behold, I do a new thing, and now it shall spring forth. She worships. And it says, Jesus didn't even have to go to the house. That was it. She just worshiped. You know what? When you go to Jesse's house, what did God choose? The worshiper. Somebody's alive up in here. There's a key in your worship. There's a revelation in your worship. There's a power in your worship. David, in your worship, lions can come, and I'll give you the power to kill them. Bears can come, and I'll give you the power to smite them and take them out. It's in your worship. I'm looking for worshipers. The Father is seeking such. 
those who worship him in spirit and in truth. You go to Numbers chapter 20 and God says, I'm changing the methodology from striking the rock to speaking to the rock. But then you jump one chapter later and God says, I still want to give you water. But I'm cha changing you from striking. I'm changing the methodology, church. I'm telling you right now. God's changing the way we do things. Because we're entering into a new era. And it's absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> and he says, but now I'm changing from Numbers 20 to Numbers 21. And you're not just going to strike. And you're not just going to speak. But you get to 21. And he says, I'm moving from a man, leader, Moses, to a nation, people, Israel. And the water is not just going to come through a man. You see, the church is moving from an era where it's all been about the preacher. Come on, somebody. Now, I believe in preachers, and I believe that God has given apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints and for the building up the body so that we might grow up into a mature and to the fullness of the stature of Christ. So I'm not taking away from that, but somehow we've got into hero worship. And God says it's zero worship. Come on, somebody. And I'm moving it to a place where there was an era where I needed a man to model something with the rock. He, he, he struck the rock. Then I commanded him to speak the rock to the rock. But he didn't speak to the rock because he got annoyed with the hard-headedness of the people. And instead of speaking to the rock like God told him, he struck the rock. And that disqualified him to go into the promised land. But God moves it to a new era because Moses was now disqualified and he moved it to a new era where he said it's no longer going to be a man, it's going to be a people. You see, you've got to understand something that we can't just have our ministry do our ministry for us. God's raising up a church in this hour who's going to be the church in the earth. Everywhere you go, you are the body of Christ. You're his hands, you're his feet, you're his voice. Woo! And you get to 21, and God says, Tell Israel. You read this. You can, you can study this out yourself. Tell Israel. Don't strike the rock. Don't speak to the rock. But sing to the rock. I'm looking for a worshiper. Woo! Who's not looking for loaves but it'll just take crumbs. I'm looking for a worshiper who doesn't look like all his brothers. Come on, somebody. Who look tall and strong, but I'm looking for the forgotten one, David, who's worshiping when no one else is watching. Woo! He's not performing on a stage. You know what? That's the one I'm going to elevate in this time. That's the one who I'm going to open up doors for in this time. He's going to move from a worshiping anointing to a kingly anointing. I'm looking for a worshiper. I'm looking for a company of people who are not just going to strike the rock and speak to the rock, but they're going to begin to sing. Spring up, oh well. Woo! 
Let me read this verse in Numbers chapter 21 because you need to hear it because I'm about to wrap this up. But I think you hear what I'm saying here in the spirit that God's raising up a company of people in this hour. And he says, I'm going to supply all of your need according to my riches and glory. And it says, then, verse 17, Israel sang this song. Spring up, O well, all you who sing to it. The well, the leaders sank, dug by the nations of nobles, by the lawgiver with their staves. Spring up, O well. Spring up, O well. Begin to sing, spring up, O well. You begin to sing that song, spring up, O well. Out of your belly is going to flow a spring. Spring up, O well. Spring up, O well. You see, God's changing, I'm hearing this, the methodology. He's changing our paradigms. If you're willing whew, to move with what he's doing, whew, he's going to show himself strong in your life. Let me tell you something. The church has changed. We might not see all the effects of it yet. It's like in World War II. <laughs> the war was over. But it took a while because they didn't have the technology to go to a few islands in the Pacific and go to a few places in Europe where the wars were being fought to get the news. Put your guns down. <laughs> no more fighting. The war is over. Let me tell you something. The church has changed. God's turned the page. We're moving into a new era. The delays that we've had are over. And we're stepping into this next year, and we're going to see God move. But he's looking for a people who will worship him. Worship is a sign of humility. Come on, somebody. It's not a song. It's not a set. It's not a service. It's a heart. Worship is not my obligation. It's my occupation. Worship it's not about a location. It's my vocation. It's what I was born to do. If you look at all those instances where God said, I'm changing the methodology, worship was connected with it. I heard the Lord say as I was coming here, I'm going to teach you. You've had to learn how to worship your way through, but now I'm teaching you how to worship your way into. And there's some people in this room, I have news for you. You had to go through it to get to it. And so there's understanding and comprehension and resolution that is coming to you even in the last seasons that you've gone through because you're understanding that I had to go through it. Even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though I had to go through the valley of Achor, you actually turned a dead end into a doorway. Even though I go through the valley of Baca, I make it a well. You've had to go through it. There's some of you here today, you've had to go through it. It hasn't been nice. It's mostly been ugly. Come on, somebody. It's definitely been painful. But God's bringing you out. He's bringing you through. Come on, somebody. He's pulling you through. I told the church last night, if you can stand the pull, God will pull you through.
He'll pull you through into a new season. And that's what God's doing in his church in this time. You had to go through it in order to get to it. But if you didn't go through it, then you wouldn't be as smart as you are now. Come on, somebody. You wouldn't see the way you see now. You wouldn't be as strong as you are now. You had to walk out of Egypt one foot in front of the other and through the Red Sea one foot in front of the other and through the wilderness and through the Jordan and into the promised land. If I airlifted you and dropped you or beamed you like Scotty from the Egypt to the promised land, you wouldn't have the strength and the endurance and the patience and the testimony come on somebody look what the Lord has done he took care of me through every season he took care of me when I was going through the heat and the cold he took care of me when I was hungry he took care of me when the lights turned off he took care of me when they turned off the water supply he took care come on somebody he took care of me I have a testimony and so the Bible says let the redeemed of the Lord say so and so I can't help myself I'm stepping into my promised land with a dance like Michael Jackson on the whiz I can't help myself I'm stepping in and nothing's gonna hold me back I'm stepping in I'm hearing it in my spirit I'm stepping in but how I'm gonna do it is I've learned my way to worship my way through it and now I'm worshiping my way into it. I have a song that I could not sing before. That came from the lion's den. It came from the fiery furnace. I got a witness up in here. It came through much difficulty, trials, troubles, tribulations, and, tri and, and, and it came. There was a song that was developed in the midnight hour. In my darkest moment, there was a praise that developed, praise church of New Orleans. There was a praise that developed that wasn't someone else's song. But it was a new song. All the other songs could not articulate what I went through, so I had to write a new song. Because they just didn't say it the way I need to say it. There's a praise. You see, I'm saying all this to say that things are shifting now. And it's a good thing. And it's a God thing. And an okayness is coming to us through it all. Do you know what I felt? I'm going to tell you what I felt. Peace. Amazing peace. Peace that passes understanding. Peace. Because God has brought us a mighty long way. And all of that was a setup. What was previously shut up, whoo, come on somebody, is all a setup for what God has stored up for my life. So like George and Wheezy, I'm moving on up to the east side because I finally got a piece, a crumb 
lift your hands to heaven here. I don't know what I just said, but it was fun. It's a lot to metabolize. There's stuff to take in. But Lord, we just lift up our hands in your house today. And Lord, wherever we're at in our journey, we receive what you want to do. We open up our hearts, our minds for what you want to do. Lord, like Andre Crouch used to say, I thank you for the good times. <laughs> and I thank you for the bad times. Ooh, I thank you, Lord. And I'm grateful. And so, Lord, I thank you for what you're leading us into. So we just lift up our hands, just almost like a sign of surrender, and say, Lord, you're good, and your mercies endure forever. And, Lord, we say, God, have your way in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Whoo, amen. Hallelujah, amen.